0: Muscle science for women. Ice cream science for women. Ice cream science. Black eye science. Let's talk about it. How are you doing? Do you or do you not have a black eye? (laughs) I'm doing great. Um,
1: I have a minor little black eye that I actually just noticed um, an hour ago when I was trying to make myself look halfway decent for this video recording, Um, but I had my first basketball game yesterday. Um, Okay. And I think I saw
0: I, a brief clip of that in your stories.
1: Yeah. It was so fun. Like so fun. I'm so excited. Um So yeah, I got like I I remember I did get like hit in the eye just like on a rebound yesterday. I was like, "Oh, whatever." And then when I saw it, I, I like touched my eye when I like saw the discoloration. I was like, "Ow, that hurts." So yeah, I got a little, little Was it black Was eye. it like an
0: elbow in the eye or like a ball in the eye or what happened? I think happened?
1: it was an elbow like on a rebound. Um But nothing like crazy. I think maybe I'm just sensitive, you know?
0: I don't know. I think that's pretty badass. Any way that a person gets a black eye is kind of badass. It's like one of the cooler injuries to have because it just sort of makes you look tough. It makes you look like you've like done some things. So I respect it. I respect the black eye. And it's not actually like you would not really notice it. I think I was. Yeah, it's like
1: barely. And it's like under here kind of just looks like you said, I'm really tired.
0: Yeah, you're you're, you're killing it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which you are because you're playing basketball. So is that making you feel like you're back in your like college days? And yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's fun. Like it's just fun because it's like with my team it's just like all the friends that I've made from kickball. Remember we uh, talked about this? You know, yes. when this year started, my my goal for 2023 was to get out there and be social. And it has. I feel like I've exceeded <laughs> the goal or surpassed That's great. that goal with like all of the friends that I've made, um, on the kickball team. And then we, you know, create, join this basketball league. And then also the football is starting in like, or flag football starting in two weeks. Um, so yeah, it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun.
0: It's awesome. And I think it like it, you've exceeded it maybe because you ended up finding a group like so often, you know, if we're kind of, Forced into a group that isn't really like our kind of people, and then you're like struggling, and you're like, I should want to do this, and I should feel like I want to be social and make friends. But if you end up with like like-minded people or people who are into the same kinds of things as you and fun people, and then you're like, oh, actually, this isn't like, I don't have to force it because this is just awesome, and I just ended up making like new friends. I feel like it's such yeah. a fallacy too that like. There's like this weird myth that you can't or don't make as many friends or good friends like as you get older, you know what I mean? And I actually feel like it's like the opposite. Like, I don't know. Maybe we all have – well, I know we have like high school friends. Like I met some of your friends when we were in New York. And like yeah. I have a couple of friends obviously that I've known forever. But some of my best friends in the world are people I met, you know, past the age of 30. Um, and maybe that's also because you like know what you – who you are and what you're about a little bit more as you get older. And so you can kind of pick the people you want to hang out with a little bit better than when you were younger, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it is harder to make friends when you're older because you don't have some of the stuff that you would have like in college, like the activities and things like that, but like joining a a rec league or intramural league, like whatever, you know, that is like the, you know, I'm kind of pissed at myself for not doing it years Mm. ago, but. Hmm. it is what it is. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: How are you? Anything new?
0: I'm trying to think. I don't think I have any like cool rec teams that I'm going to be joining anytime soon. But I mean, I do have some like, creative things I don't really want to talk about yet that I, I would like to get into maybe this summer and after my move. Um, and I will be probably sharing a lot more cool, fun, workouts because I, like, again, this is sort of like prior to when you and I kind of became friends, but I was much more of like a fitness person on the internet, um, prior to the pandemic, (laughs) but then the pandemic hit and everything was kind of shut down. I had a kid, yada, yada, all those excuses. But, and I also am somebody who like, I get really embarrassed about recording in a gym. Like maybe if someone's with me, like if you and I are working out, I'll be like, sure, record stuff. But like me by myself, I just feel like cringy about it. I can't do it. So, you anyway, like I don't like it. I just feel, and I uh, ugh, I don't know. And it's like to each their own. Like if you if you do feel comfortable recording and you're not getting anybody's way, great. If you don't feel comfortable, that's also a normal thing. Um, but I'm going to be like doing a garage gym again for the first time in mm-hmm. a really long time. So I'm going to be doing a lot more stuff at home. And I'm going to have a lot more space outdoors to do like really creative, cool, fun, like more functional outdoor workouts and stuff that I really, really like doing. And it's going to be the summer here, which is going to make a difference. So I'm excited to like do more of that stuff and share more of it. And I'll be doing like a lot more swimming and just sort of like cool Mm -hmm. outdoor fun workouts. So maybe not really team related. Although we do always do, and I've talked to you about this, when you come visit, you're going to have to take part. Uh, We like make our own triathlons. Mm -hmm. They usually, instead of biking, they're usually... Is a stand-up paddleboarding component because that's just more fun, I think, personally. That's cool. Um, swimming, running, and then like a stand-up paddleboard. So we'll be doing probably some more of that over the summer too. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm excited about all of that. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I can't right. wait. I still have to get through the moving part of it, which is not super fun, but you yeah. know, it'll it's be gonna, worth it though. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be done in a couple of weeks, and then <laughs> we get to uh, never do it again for yeah. a long time it's like yeah. what I said to
1: my sister this morning when I got the text that she had her baby so and she's exciting. like yeah I've been in labor for 76 hours because she's been in la- she was in labor since Saturday night oh and she went goodness. to the hospital twice and they sent her home <laughs> um twice because <laughs> she but anyway um and she was like yeah I haven't slept in three days um you know it was hard I'll, I'll- you know, tell everybody, I'll tell you all the full story because we were kind of only just like texting, didn't want to bother her. Mm-hmm. And then I just responded. I was like, worth it. Because <laughs> she's got I a picture of so. the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, worth it. Even though I it don't know anything about anything, it's probably horrible and painful and all that stuff. But like, you got a baby out of it, it. So it is worth, worth it. it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, I think she would agree with that. And it's very, very cute. So I would yeah. agree. Definitely worth it. But it's, it is badass. It is the ultimate endurance. I mean, whether it takes you 12 hours or three days or whatever, it's, it is very intense. Um, okay. So speaking of things that take a long time, let's talk about (laughs) reverse dieting. Yeah. Cause I'm kind (sighs) of doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's, so the reason why this is uh, important is because we've talked about this before. Everybody wants to know how to lose fat Everybody wants to know how to change their body composition, but nobody really talks a lot about what to do when you've hit your goal and you either want to stay there or you want to bump your calories back up. You want to just like continue to live your life without undoing all of the hard work that you just did. And Mm -hmm. that takes work. And I think we're, again, we're such a like goal-oriented society. We're like, okay, get to that goal. And then we are kind of just like left without any direction. And that is why so many people do undo all the hard work that they do. So Mm -hmm. many people gain weight back. So many people, um, you know, they like have restricted for so long that they kind of veer into the other direction and like binge eat and all this stuff, like, you know, post competition Mm -hmm. or post photo shoot. Um, and it sucks, you know? So I think it's, it's good to arm people with like a little bit of an idea. Of course you should have a coach to like go through this in a more, um, specific way for you. Yeah. But I think we need to talk about what it means to like what comes next and the work Mm -hmm. that it takes, um, because it's not sexy and people don't like it, but I mean, it's necessary. Right. So yeah. Reverse dieting. Yeah.
1: So I'll say kind of piggyback off what, what you said. Um, so yeah, if you are, you know, we've talked a lot about fat loss recently with your, um, Mm -hmm. with your fat loss goal and your photo shoot. Um, but I think the biggest thing to to outline first is that you have to have um, some type of plan. You have to have a plan for after you've reached your goal. Um, and this is where that periodization comes in. This is where understanding that like you, you know, if you are losing weight or losing body fat and you're eating in a calorie deficit, when you do hit that goal or when you've come to the end of that phase, you have to realize that like the amount of calories you're eating to lose weight is not the amount of calories that you should be continuing to eat. Cause I think that's where people like, they're like, Oh, I want to, um, you know, either stay here or continue to lose weight or whatever. And they feel like they have to eat that same amount, but it's like, no, if you were losing fat at eating this certain amount of calories, you are in a calorie deficit. Right. And that will also, I mean, there's so many ways that we can go into this and talk about this, but over time, depending on how long your fat loss phase is, depending on how intense it is, um, that will kind of determine, you know, if you do have to continue to reduce calorie, reduce calories as you're losing weight, you know, how much weight are you losing? How, you know, are you, um, you know, becoming a smaller version of yourself, like how much, like, have you only lost five pounds or have you lost 20 pounds? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a difference there. Um, so I think the biggest thing to just understand too, is like, there has to be, this is all this to be said, there has to be a plan for after the diet and you have to understand what you need to do in order to maintain your results. Um, and this is where that reverse dieting comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so reverse dieting is simply the concept of, bringing your calories back up in either a gradual fashion or um there's you know some people have maybe heard of the term recovery diet which is more so um with like bodybuilders and more professionals, where they've gotten to such low body fat percentages and they're so lean when they step on stage that they need to bump those calories up pretty significantly immediately, um, just to recover from from that period of time and work rec- and basically get their health, their their hormones, um, all that stuff kind of basically j- uh, jump started right from mm-hmm. the start. So. That's a a scenario where instead of kind of gradually working your calories up, you would jump up to a certain level and then work up from there. Um, But for most people, reverse dieting is going to be a process where like for your general population it's going to be a process where you do kind of gradually work your calories up, um, whether that's taking an approach where it's like, a, you know, maybe you were in a 20% deficit, for example, and then you... Hit your goal or whatever you you want to stop and and start to reverse diet. Um, maybe you reduce that to a fifteen percent deficit and then a ten percent and then a five percent, right, all the way until you kind of work your way back over a series of weeks um, closer to maintenance, which we'll talk about in a second. Or another option is to potentially, um, like we're doing with you is we didn't have a very long timeline, right? So it was about eight weeks. Um, and so what I wanted to do with you was like, okay, let's just get, especially cause you, we kind of brought your calories pretty low with that short, intense period. Um, but you didn't lose like a ton of weight. 20 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. It was about four to five pounds. So not a significant change in body weight. So with your approach, what we're doing is basically bumping your calories up to around like 70 to 80 ish percent of your, your perceived maintenance. And then we're going to kind of gradually work from there. So all that to be said, there's different ways to approach reverse diets. There's no one way. Um, I approach it differently in, in kind of different capacities with every client that I work with. And this is why having a coach to, uh, structure your plan for you and actually, you know, work with you one-on-one is very, very important when it comes to, to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything there before I kind of talk about metabolic adaptation? Because I think that's something that I think people don't understand. Yeah. And I think that's an important component of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to to get to. But I think that one of the important things to remember, and again, I'm struggling with the... Uh, with the, um, this like post goal, um, going back up in calories and paying attention to things. Cause I just, again, like it's so low priority for me in the context of my life right now. But as you're saying here and you're telling me, you know, um, and it's so important, it's about mindfulness and paying attention and not completely, um, doing away with all of the the work and the behaviors and the processes that got you to where you wanted to be in the first place. Like, again, I understand because I'm right there. It's very um, tempting to be like, I was tracking everything. I was weighing everything. I was paying so much attention, so many numbers, journaling, writing everything down for weeks. I just want a break. But You take a break for two or three days, and it gets that much harder to get back into the tracking. And then you're completely off, and then you don't know how many calories you ate for the last week. So you don't know. You know, you you can't accurately predict what your new maintenance calories are going to be or whatever because you're not tracking them. So again, I'm kind of like reiterating back to you what you've been telling me, which is like the tracking, the work, the paying attention, the mindfulness is not over when you've hit your goal. It can't be because you have to pay attention to what you're doing, or you're you're not going to you're not going to maintain what you worked for. You're not going to be able to accurately kind of get back to your new maintenance and what you're trying to you know where you're trying to stay comfortably. Um, tracking, paying attention, mindfulness, having a coach, having somebody helping you with this matters. And I think another thing that I was talking to one of my clients the other day because we're actually sort of still in the like body recomp phase for her it is a bit of a trial and error. Like you and I, when we were working on this, like we don't know exactly what my maintenance calories are. As you've said, these things are a range, right? So you don't know just from like a week or two of tracking and paying attention what your upper and lower end of the range is. You can have an idea, but a lot of this is kind of like playing and seeing how your body adapts and seeing how your body reacts and adjusting from there, which is why it's so important to track and do it accurately. Because if you don't know, like you're giving me recommendations based on a guess and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of wasting time, right? It's wasting your time and it's wasting the coach's time. So I guess all I'm trying to say is, and I'm trying to convince myself because I'm just like (laughs) so over it. And so like, I have so many other things to be focusing on, but it's like, if you're going to do this, like just just keep tracking, keep paying attention, just stay on it because otherwise you're just sort of wasting your time. But Mm -hmm. to go into the metabolic adaptations thing, the metabolic adaptations of dieting, I think this is a really important part to consider. And it's really not something I hear in a lot of fitness conversations, a lot of podcasts. What happens to your body when you're dieting? Some of these things are perceived as negative things and they aren't necessarily, some of them are kind of crappy depending on how you look at it mm-hmm. but it's important to know that these are um common normal natural and in some ways good side effects of dieting so I'd love mm-hmm. for you to kind of like dive into that so people can understand because a lot of times people don't really like they think oh I dieted for two or three months and xyz happened so that must mean that I screwed up my metabolism and I'm all messed yeah. up now um, yeah. so I think it's important to talk about that
1: yeah, absolutely. And before I jump into to that, I'll just reiterate, you know, you don't just like when you were tracking everything in your fat loss phase, you don't have to be perfect, right? None of this is about being perfect or, you know, suffering through it. Um, but the consistency part of it, the, yeah. okay, yeah, I took a few days, you know, I hit my goal and I took it like, for example, you had your photo shoot, you took a few days, you went out, you had, you ate, you didn't track whatever. Absolutely fine but getting right back on track after like two days, three days, not letting it drag out to like two weeks Mm -hmm. because that's where we start to get into some, some, uh, issues, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, just understand you don't have to be perfect, but the consistency and being aware is the biggest thing. So just, I, I like to say like the diet's not over when, your, when you've hit your goal, the diet's over when you've finished your reverse diet. That's why Mm -hmm. the word diet is in reverse diet. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. Metabolic adaptation. What is that? So basically metabolic adaptation is what happens to your body when you either, um, basically your, your metabolism adapts to what you do, right? So this can go in both directions. So it's not just when you lose weight. It's also when you, you gain weight too. Um, so with Mm -hmm. metabolic adaptation, Uh, the simplest way that I like to explain it is to just, you know, explain to people what your metabolism is, right? Like, so in terms of metabolism and and the components of it, really, we have four main components of like our metabolism, or we can kind of think about this as our, uh, another term that's not synonymous, but it's really all the components that make up kind of this side of things is our total daily and energy expenditure, right? Mm -hmm. So basically what burns energy throughout the day. So we have four components of your metabolism. Um your BMR, so your basal metabolic rate, right? Or your also known as RMR, uh resting metabolic rate. Those terms are not exactly the same, but they're kind of interchangeable. So that is just basically the amount of calories that you would have to consume to lay on the couch all day and not move
0: to right? be an alive person.
1: Being a live person. Exactly. So literally if you were on bed rest, for example, this would be sort of the amount of calories that you would have to consume to just maintain, you know, your weight there, right? Probably a little bit more than that, but BMR, RMR, you can Google it if you want to get more information on that, but that's like our biggest component of, of metabolism. And it's really, or of our total daily energy expenditure and that is really determined mostly by your body weight, like your mass, right? Like how much you weigh on earth and <laughs> gravity, right? Um, so that's a huge component of it. Um, and then obviously like genetics and and age and things like that will play play into it. Um, how and, much muscle mass.
0: Oh. Yeah, I was just gonna say, sorry, I was just gonna say how much muscle yeah. you have, which again, I think maybe that's like uh, talked about a little bit too much because like, look, If you're 6'5 and 220 and a man and have a ton of muscle and then you're – or you're 5'2 and don't have a lot of muscle and you're a woman, that's going to have, like, a pretty relatively dramatic impact on Mm -hmm. your BMR. But if you're like – you know, if it's you and me, we're basically the same size. Maybe one of us has a couple pounds more muscle. It's not going to have a significant increase. You know what I mean? Like, I think people sometimes maybe – way too heavily like building muscle is going to make me burn so much more fat sitting around it does but we're talking Mm. about a couple calories right like i mean it adds up but it's still it's a reason to to build muscle but it's not like okay if you build two more pounds of muscle you're gonna like burn like 500 more calories a day right
1: yeah so calorie for cal and this is where it gets a little bit complex calorie for calorie like the amount of muscle versus fat you have technically it's not a huge difference but where the difference comes in is, um, as you build muscle, you actually do gain weight from that too over time. Right. So you do become a heavier version of yourself. Um, so that's one component of it that I just mentioned. And then also we know that muscle is, it is metabolically taxing. It does require more energy overall, just to sustain that. So that is another, um, component of it. And then when also when you have more muscle mass, it's kind of like a, a sink to soak up, extra carbohydrates and things like that, that you, you know, can store more in your muscle tissue if you have more muscle tissue. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other components that play into that too.
0: Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's always good to have more muscle. It's just, not necessarily going to like completely change your world to have a couple pounds more muscle anyway. Exactly.
1: So BMR or RMR, that's kind of the biggest component of our total total daily energy expenditure. And then we have three other ones. We have NEAT, which we've talked about a lot. So non-exercise activity thermogenesis is basically just all of the general movement that you do during your day. Um, You know, I like to count steps in this. That's how I kind of track NEAT. Um, You know, just literally me standing here, moving my hands. Like this is all, you know, movement that I'm Mm -hmm. doing that counts towards my NEAT. Um, so that's the second component. And then you have, uh, total, um, uh, sorry, thermic effect of, yeah, thermic effect of yeah. food TF. So that's basically just the amount of calories that you burn to absorb and digest food. Right. So we know that the different macronutrients have different, uh, levels of thermic effect of food. And we know that protein has the highest thermic effect of food, meaning that it takes the most energy to digest and absorb protein than it does carbs and fats. So protein has about eh, 22 to 25% thermic effect of food. I think carbs is about five to ten, 5, five to 10%. I could be butchering these numbers, but you don't need to know exactly five to 10% ish. And then fat is like three to 5%. Um, so fat's the lowest, it takes the lowest amount of energy, um, to absorb and digest fat carbs are second and proteins like the highest, right? So that's something to to understand, right? So that's our third thermic effect of food. And then the fourth one is basically the thermic effect of exercise. Um, people either refer to this as TEE or, um, there's other acronyms or whatever, uh, but basically it's just the amount of calories you burn while you're exercising. Um, and that's in its own category, right? So if we're thinking about these four things, right, these are what make up the amount of calories we burn throughout the day, you know, basically, right? Um, as you are, let's talk about weight loss, right? As you're losing weight or losing body fat, you're becoming a smaller version of yourself. So all of these components are down regulating, right? The one, um, so let's start with BMR, right? So that's the amount of calories you burn, you know, just mostly based off your body mass if you lose, I don't know, 15 pounds, for example, from the start of your fat loss phase to the end, you are literally a smaller version of yourself, right? So you are technically burning a little bit less calories as a smaller version of yourself throughout the day through that BMR. However, it's not a ton there, right? So that's one component, but I like to focus on uh, the other components a little bit more. Um, So when we go into NEAT, for example, as you start to, you know, continue in your calorie deficit um and you're again becoming a smaller version of yourself and you are uh you know eating less food so you have less overall energy uh your neat starts to decrease right because you just want to move less right just subconsciously start to move less so neat starts to decrease right unless you're paying attention to it by tracking right. your steps. Um, so that's the second one. Thermic effective food because you are literally eating less food throughout the day you're burning less calories to digest that food. That just makes sense. Less food coming in, less calories are burned to digest that food. And then with the exercise component, which is the smallest component of it, I'd say, um, thermic of exercise as again, your, your body mass is decreasing. You're coming a smaller version of yourself. It takes, uh, the amount of energy that you're like, when you're exercising, things like that, you're burning less calories because again, you're a smaller version of yourself. But then also because you have that component of, um, the decreased, um, energy that's occurring, you know, as you're in that deficit, right? So you have less energy coming in. So you maybe don't have as much energy like for your workouts, right? Maybe your workouts are less, a little bit less productive, which is normal, right? When you have less food coming in, less fuel coming in, So maybe that decreases as well, right? So these are all components that will slow down, I guess you could say, in what people say, as you're losing body fat, right? So this is normal though, right? All of these things are kind of part of the process, right? If you are becoming a smaller version of yourself, all of these things will kind of go along with that. Um, And so that's really what metabolic adaptation is. And this is where some people get confused, where it's like, oh, my metabolism's broken or my metabolism has slowed down. Right. So it's not broken, but it has kind of slowed down. But as a result of the things, all of these things that we just kind of mentioned, so it's part of the process and it's actually, um, it's actually showing you that you've successfully (laughs) lost body fat Mm -hmm. if these things are happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something we have to pay attention to because then when we try, when we, when we hit our goal, right, we have to now work our calories back up. And if you are, if all of these things are kind of down-regulated, then we have to address that. We can't just go back to what we were doing before because we have to understand that we need to address these components that have down-regulated so we can start to up-regulate them in a strategic way, in a structured way so that we don't...
0: Overshoot
1: mm-hmm. and gain mm-hmm. everything back, and then one other thing is I'll say is with um, the uh, the downregulation of the metabolism, we also have a downregulation of certain hormones, which I'm not going to get into all that, but that is also a normal part of it. As you lose weight, as you're in a calorie deficit, your hormones will also kind of take a hit, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and this will be more so the longer that you've been in the deficit. Right. So, um, we talk about kind of the, the timeline there. Um, so that's another component. So we have hunger hormones, you know, thyroid, um, cortisol, right. Our stress hormone, the longer you've been in a deficit, that's a stress to your body, the more intense, all of that. So those things start to downregulate. So we need to, again, address that and realize that we need to kind of, um, Stoke the fire, I guess you could say, to work those things back to a kind of maintenance level, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say. Did that all make sense or did I just confuse everybody? No,
0: no, I think that's all very clear. I mean, I guess some of the like nuance that people may be wondering for themselves is like, Maybe there is a reality there where if you are losing a lot of weight, like there's a difference between, again, like someone like in my situation where I'm losing a couple pounds, I'm really not Mm -hmm. changing so much as a person. I'm a very slightly tiny bit leaner leaner version of myself. Some of this this stuff still goes into play, but like not that much, right? Versus Mm -hmm. somebody who maybe was 200 pounds and lost 50 pounds over the span of six months or a year, maybe there's a little bit of acknowledging that like if you're planning on sort of never being 200 pounds again and and mm-hmm. moving forward as a significantly smaller person knowing that like your your metabolism or your body or like how your body functions is sort of always going to be different now like you are a smaller person you're at this point a significantly smaller person that's 25% of your body weight that you've lost you may you may never eat as many calories as you used to ever again, right? Like you are structurally kind of a pretty significantly different person. And I think, again, sort of just recognizing that versus maybe some people who are like very prone to like perfectionism and like a little bit of OCD who have maybe lost like seven pounds and think, oh, I'm completely a different person now. And it's like, I have to, you know, it's like maybe not really like this stuff is important to know, but it's not as significant you know, it depends on sort of how much weight you're losing and how long this process mm-hmm. is taking and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know.
1: No, yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. And I think there are, I mean, we're we're very much scratching the surface here. Like there are so many other things that we, you know, work with our clients on and things like that um, that we can't just get into all the, the kind of nitty gritty details. That's where coaching and, you know, Mm -hmm. working with the individual comes into play. Um, but just understanding some of these things I think can be empowering so that, you know, like, okay. Um, just from a a standpoint of like the, like what is the reverse diet and like understanding metabolic adaptation, I can, I think can just be very empowering so that you Mm -hmm. are aware of these things and you become more aware of them too, especially with, Like NEAT, for example, that is a huge component that we can kind of um, manipulate if we know how to track it, which is through step and steps and things like that. We can use that to our advantage in both directions. Um, And then with the metabolic adaptation in the opposite direction, as you start to eat more food, right? As you come out of the deficit, you start to eat more food. That starts to increase your thermic effect of food, Right. As you start to eat more food, you're going to have more energy, right? Because you're going to be fueling yourself more. So you'll have more energy to expend um, throughout the day through NEAT, which you won't even you know, notice, right? So you'll be increasing NEAT, right? You'll also be probably increasing a little bit of the energy that you spend in exercise, right? Or you're using exercise because you're just going to have more energy to give your train sessions maybe a little bit more oomph than you did mm-hmm. when you were in your fat loss phase. Right. So mm-hmm. all these things are, are kind of upregulating all of those things we talked about. Um, yeah. so that's why it's important to understand that too. And again, like you said, it, it, there is a difference between someone who's lost maybe 50 or 20 pounds and understanding that like, this is why we have these different periodization phases. And this is why I encourage everybody to really, you know, if you don't, know what your maintenance intake range is before you jump into a fat loss phase, I think that's a huge mistake because then you don't really have any kind of guidelines to where you're trying to work back towards, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, understanding that like, again, if you lost 20 pounds over the course of like, I don't know, six months, for example, um, the amount that you were eating to maintain your weight 20 pounds ago is probably not going to be the same amount that you can eat to maintain your weight now, but that doesn't mean it's going to be drastically lower. We just have to understand that things downregulate. And if you go back to eating that same amount, you will actually not be at maintenance anymore. You'll probably start to inch into a slight surplus and then you start to (coughs) gain the weight back. And so that's why understanding these things is very important and working with a coach to help you through that because besides all of these like things that are happening and all the science, there's a huge mental component to it. Like you're mentioning, right? There's a huge mental component to like, okay, I've hit my goal and I'm burnt out and I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to track my steps. I don't want to track my food. And that's where having the accountability and someone that you have to report to every single week, Mm -hmm. um, is like a huge piece of just maintaining your results. Um, I think that a lot of people forget about the mental side of things,
0: um, having a support that, system makes yeah. it, makes it easier. Yeah. Is it worth mentioning, is this, would you agree with this that like, because somebody who may be new to this concept, um, and again, for the vast majority of people who are maybe not losing massive amounts of money or wait, maybe when they're doing this, they're losing five to 10 pounds or something. Is there a case for saying like doing this, um, like cyclically, like we've talked about before, like it kind of makes sense over the course of the year to maybe like do sort of a a dieting down phase and then a period of maintenance and then like a period of, of growth, like muscle building or bulking, if that's what you want to call it, and doing that in a cyclical but like an intelligent progressive way makes sense because every time you do that cycle, You're maybe building more muscle, which means that Mm -hmm. even in your like you know going down phase, like you can maybe you're you can eat more on the way back up than you could the time before because now you have more muscle, Um, like that kind of thing. Like it makes sense because I feel like people could could hear what we're saying and think like, okay, but aren't you just saying you just spent three months losing ten pounds and now you're gonna slowly inch your calories back up? and gain a couple more pounds back and it's like aren't you kind of just slowly sort of going back to where you were it's like no because each time you do this you're getting a little bit better you're getting a little bit more efficient you're building some more muscle and maybe the next time your um your meat doesn't go down as much and maybe your exercise stays up because you're more efficient and more effective and you can, you know this now so you can move a little bit more and like go against what your mm-hmm. body's telling you to do. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of yeah circling no, around this, is, this, but. This is exactly
1: what nutritional periodization is. And this right. is like a huge component of what I preach with my clients. And this is what I do with all my clients. And, and I know you do that too. Like the, the cycles that you're going through, it's exactly what you said. Like you're going through these cycles in a very strategic planned out way so you're losing body fat but then in the time when you're not dieting which again we shouldn't be dieting for most of the most year of the time, you yeah. are yeah you're at maintenance or in or in a slight surplus and that's the time where you're focused on recovering building all the health like focusing on the internal so- side of things the health and then the building of the muscle which is super important Um, Mm -hmm. and so then when you maybe diet down the next time you have more muscle, so Mm -hmm. you are a leaner version of yourself, but maybe, maybe not at the same body weight, right? Maybe the body weight's a little bit higher, but you actually look better, right? So these are all the things that like play into it. And this is why, you know, training to build muscle is just so important. And this goes back Mm -hmm. to what we talked about in our podcast the other week about the hit training. Like if you're just training to burn calories, like, you are missing a huge piece of it. You have to train mm-hmm. to build muscle so that when you do go through these phases, you have more muscle to show and you will improve your body composition over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we don't want to just stay the same, but you'll improve over time. And, um, all the things that you said, I won't repeat, but
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, I, I, I'm, I have, I have, Personal examples of this because even before I was like tracking the stuff and I was doing like the bodybuilding stuff, like I would take a year between each show, and I was absolutely not in any kind of restrictive phase. I was probably more surplus than I needed to, but every single time I dieted back down, I looked better and I was heavier. And even now, as a you know fully grown old lady, um, <laughs> you know how I look at 130 pounds. Is way better than I would have looked at 130 pounds 10 years ago because I've got so much more muscle now that that weight. Again, this is another reason why we talk about this all the time. Why weight is like it's a metric, but like let's not get hung up because mm-hmm. the weight, what I weigh, does not matter nearly as much as what I look like at that weight. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I know like I can show. I should do this sometime. Like the pictures of like three bodybuilding shows in a row, three years that the muscle difference is significant. It's probably a couple pounds difference, but like I look way better because I spent mm-hmm. eight, nine months eating a lot and trying to build as much muscle as I possibly could. Um, and I think yeah. it's also one other just like very basic thing that I, I think we should just reiterate. And I think you said this, but when you're talking about the sort of four components of what makes up your metabolism, I do think it's worth sort of like reiterating and bringing home to people that the biggest, chunks of that of what makes up your metabolism is literally just your body functioning and neat. Like how and I mean I guess like you kind of had it in order I think right of like how Mm -hmm. much it actually impacts you. So like if you have a big old body it's gonna burn more calories than a tiny body and if you Mm -hmm. move all day long that's gonna have a much more significant impact than if you're somebody who's very sedentary. And then if you eat a bunch of food and a lot of it's protein, that's going to have more of an impact than if you're just kind of eating a thousand calories and it's all carbs. And whole foods. I I didn't mention
1: this, but whole foods burn. It takes more energy to digest Mm -hmm. and absorb whole foods, right? Breaking down fiber, things like that, than it does processed foods, Mm -hmm. right? Because processed foods, the word processed, it's already processed for you before yeah. you're eating it so it's broken down more so yeah. your body takes less energy to to break down that food right so yeah. that's a another piece to, to also mention but continue
0: yeah. no that's that's really good to know but i think again it goes back to like we've all seen it and we kind of like roll our eyes and like scroll past the the reel because no one wants to hear it but like this is why we say walking is more important than your hit workout or your three four days a week CrossFit workout because you're burning, maybe you burn a few hundred calories during that time. That's great. But you're burning way more the other 23 hours of the day if you're fidgeting and moving and getting up from your desk and playing with your kid and taking your dog mm. for a walk and all of those things. you There's no way you can make up for a very, very sedentary life by doing one workout a day. It's just that part doesn't matter. And that's also why we say, and you say it all the time, that you should not really be working out to burn fat. You should be working out to build muscle, maybe learn a skill, get stronger, have fun. All of those things Mm -hmm. are really valuable reasons to work out. But to do it solely to lose fat, it's like there are just so many other better, more effective ways to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And I also I think one more thing that we should kind of end on too, or at least just mention as you start the reverse diet and this is something that I mentioned in your checking call or uh video it is absolutely normal for the scale to go up a little bit, right? So, that's something that people get really scared. They're like, "Okay, I can't I got to my goal. I hit this number on the scale and they want to hold on to that. They want to hold mm-hmm. on to that exact number through the reverse diet. I'm not saying that you have to gain back a bunch of weight. If you do it strategically and you have a plan and you know what you're doing, that's the whole point. Like you're not like, we're not going to gain, gain it all back. However, gaining back a few pounds is absolutely normal. And it depends on how much, you know, how much you've lost, whatever. But gaining back like one to two pounds, even three to four pounds through the reverse dieting process is normal because, and we have to understand this over the course of like you know tracking that scale rate, right. So like for example, for you, if you end and I'm just going to use this as a number. If you ended your uh, your fat loss phase at 127, and then like two weeks into reverse diet, you see 129.5 on the scale one day, but we're again we're looking at averages, so it's okay for that to fluctuate up and down. That's normal because again, what's happening? You're starting to eat more food, so you have more food in your gut, literally in your body, which weighs something. Your Mm -hmm. gut is more full. You are probably starting to eat some more carbohydrates. We know carbohydrates hold on to water, right? Mm -hmm. So you're literally have more water in your body, right? Um, you, maybe you're eating, maybe you, you go out to dinner a little bit more. So maybe you're having a little bit more sodium that you're not necessarily having when you were like, you know, preparing your, Mm -hmm. your own meals day in and day out. Right all of these things play into it, right? So maybe you you actually you have more energy now to do a really hard glute workout that you didn't have all of that energy back in the fat loss phase. And so now you have you're holding on to a little bit more inflammation mm-hmm. because you're you're breaking your muscles down and you're working a little bit harder, so you're holding on to more inflammation, which could cause the scale to go up. So this is with all that being said, The scale going up a little bit through the reverse diet is absolutely normal and that should happen, right? Um, It's part of all the things I just mentioned. And so as long as you are still tracking like body tape measurements and photos and all the things that we talked about, those are why those things are important because the scale is not the end all be all and it's not going to give you the full picture. I will tell you this. I have a client that I just checked in (coughs) with two days ago. She has... Uh, through her reverse diet, she's gained back about eight pounds, but the measurement difference Mm. from the last, I mean, she's been in her maintenance for a while. She ended the reverse diet a few months ago. Um, but I guess towards the end of that reverse diet, I think like maybe she gained back five pounds, but her measurements were literally almost exactly the same. Right. So we have to understand that like, and you know, everybody's going to be different too. You know, mm-hmm. if you're someone who's 130 pounds versus someone who's 170 pounds, you might, you probably have a little bit more, you know, wiggle room with the, the amount that you gain back, whatever. Mm-hmm. But her measurements were exactly the same. Her pictures are exactly the same. Her body composition was, you know, right on point there. And she was five pounds up after, like when we ended the reverse diet and now eight pounds up, as she's gone through maintenance, but her measurements are still, oh, they're a little bit up, but they're still right around where we want them. Right. Yep. So don't be afraid of the scale. As long as you are tracking these components and you know what you're doing, you're aware, like you will maintain your results. Um, and I'm going to say one more th- quick thing, cause I know I'm talking about talking a lot, but I think this is super important too, is the body image side of things and mm-hmm. understanding that when you are at maintenance, Um, and you're practicing maintenance. There are going to be days where you wake up and you feel super fluffy. You feel like you've gained a ton of weight back. You feel like crap, especially as a female, if you're going through, you know, stages of the month, things like that. There's going to be days where you wake up and you're like, Oh man, like I just want to diet again. I, I feel fat again. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that it is absolutely normal to feel these feelings during maintenance when we are, you know, we are, we are eating more and we're not depleted, right? Cuz in a fat loss phase you're depleted, right? So it's normal like you're going to wake up, you're going to feel maybe, you know, like your stomach is is really flat and all that, but after a day of eating 2000 plus calories and at the end of the day you feel a little bloated or your stomach's a little, you know, it's it looks a little bigger than it did in the morning, like that is normal. Yeah. <laughs> you literally have more food in your stomach. And so this is a this is something that I struggle with a lot too. Mm-hmm. It's just like the body image day to day and understanding like those fluctuations in your and how you feel about yourself, how you look in the mirror. Those are normal and it's really like the understanding that the you have to t- like keep the positivity there and mm-hmm. s- don't talk negative because that is where we start to get into trouble and I've you know been preaching this to myself too. But anyway, that's Again, a, I, just I think that's a super important component.
0: I think that the biggest response to that, to offset that, is something we've talked about before, which is to prioritize other things in addition to what you look like. Because we can say it all day long, it's the same for men, it's the same for women, it's the same for elite athletes, it's the same for everybody. You are not going to look exactly the same all day, every day. You're gonna feel bloated some days. You're gonna feel depleted some days. You're gonna feel buff some days. You're gonna feel whatever some days. And those days, you could all look exactly the same. It's just what's going on in your head. So, 100%. and like you said, it's totally fine. It's totally normal. Don't beat yourself up. If some days you wish you felt or looked leaner and some days you feel you're feeling yourself, whatever, the human condition, it's great. But again, mm-hmm. if we can always just like when we're having those moments, step back and be like, But I'm working hard. I'm learning skills. I'm getting stronger. I may feel kind of fluffy today, but I could go in there and deadlift this much weight, or I could go do some pull-ups, or I could go run with my kid. Like I'm still a capable, smart, fit, good person like that's those are the things you have to come back to because if all you think about is what you look like of course you're going to be obsessing about the days you look less good like you know we just have to care about other things I mean I'll tell you my 20 month old he wakes up in the morning with like his ribs sticking out and full abs that's thanks to his dad and by the end of the day (laughs) he's got this big old baby belly and it's the cutest thing yeah. in the world and I love it and yeah. I don't judge him for having a big belly at the end <laughs> of the day because he's been eating all day it's fine so if yeah. I have a little belly at the end of the day because I'm eating a lot too that's also fine so yeah again it's just like we all it's fine to care about how you look but let's care about other things too so that we aren't completely derailed when we have those off days which everyone has it's fine mm-hmm. go do something else stop thinking about what you look like for a second and you're going to feel better yeah Okay. And know Reverse that we, we
1: feel that way too. So like everybody you does. are normal. Yeah. Normal.
0: But let's okay. get over it. There's better things to worry about. Okay. Reverse dieting, everybody. If you have any follow-up questions, send us an email. women at gmail.com, number four. Um, we want to hear from you. And thank you so much to our sponsors, Bub's Naturals. Um, I've been drinking their coffee actually extra this month because with the moving, I need it. I need it real bad, so I've been drinking a lot of their coffee, putting the creamer in it, it's delicious. Did you try the creamer in the protein ice cream yet? I haven't, you know, because I'm not 100% sure if Alex h- has packed the Ninja Creamy, which... Oh, no. How dare he? I yeah, I was going to say, it. what? <laughs> how dare you better he? better unpack that right now. That's the last Priorities. thing that needs to be packed. Priorities. There's going to be, like, no bed in the house, but the Ninja Creamy will be out. But I, I haven't done that, but that is definitely on the short list because I feel like that is going to absolutely up the ice cream game significantly with the creamer. So I will keep you posted on that, but um, if you want to get some collagen or some coffee, or some delicious creamer from Bub's Naturals, you can use our code MSW20, and you'll get 20% off anything you buy. Um, and they also give 10% of their um, profit to a veteran-supporting charity, which is kind of amazing. Not a lot of companies are giving that much money back to nonprofits, so it's a good company to support. So thank you, Bub's. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Don't do stupid And shit. if you enjoyed the
1: episode, I'm just going to – Come right in here and say this. Again, please leave, leave a rating review. review. It really helps. Um, share it on your story. Take a little screenshot. Shout us out. We'll reshare. And yeah, nice. check out MuscleScienceForWomen.com if you want to learn more about our program and all that fun stuff. Do it. We'll see you next
0: time. Well, what's our taglines? Don't do stupid shit. Let's... And wait, what's the other one? Mine's let's don't not, do stupid shit. Let's not be... Cr- Crazy, let's not be insane, something like that. Let's Let's not not be be insane. insane. Okay, bye guys. Say bye.